there is a strategic location in this sanctuary this morning. It's under one of these fans, and I want to be sure that I'm there. <clears throat> you guys are really missing it by not having moved, moved front this morning. There is a delightful air coming across here. But you all just stay back there. And uh, if you're, you look satisfied, so that's fine. Now, I want to start with a, uh, with a story that I will define uh, because I know that most of you here in uh, this service uh, aren't, going to, aren't going to know what I'm talking about. But I'm going to tell you and then tell you where you can get the information about what I'm, what I'm telling you. <clears throat> the, ni- the 1968 International Winter Competition included a Yugoslavian team that was there for the first time to compete in ski jumping. Vinko Bogotaj. Remember that name. Vinko Bogotaj was a member of the team. And as he hurtled down the jumping hill for his first launch, he, of course, tried to stick it, as they say, tried to land, but Vinko fell. He was undaunted, and he got up, dusted the snow off, and went back to the top of the hill for his second run. His second attempt was disastrous. When he reached the end of the jumping hill, he fell where he should have launched. He should have lifted off into air, but instead he crashed. The American Broadcasting Company's wide world of sports transmitted his flailing form around the globe, and he became the personification of their new theme the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat. Now, you can Google that, those of you that are too young to know what I'm talking about. You really should Google that. The 1968 International Winter Competition, or just go on, you know, uh, uh, something about uh, ABC's Wide World of Sports. I did that, and uh, the pictures are there. You can see what I'm talking about, and you can see how disastrous Vinko's fall was, but uh, ABC capitalized on that, and for years, they used as their moniker, spanning the world of sports with the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Well, no one wants to be overmatched, conquered, and beaten. It's humiliating, and it's embarrassing when that happens to us. Defeat deadens morale, especially when prior indications were that an opponent would be crushed. Sometimes people go into into competition thinking it's just a perfunctory exercise. Victory is certain before the contest has even begun. We've got this. We've got this. No sweat. Have you ever been where confidence was brim 
full and running over? Have you been in that position? Have you been part of a, of a team like that? And then, and then, inexplicable failure occurs. Unbelievable. Who would have thought? We didn't see that coming. We're totally shocked. We never expected it. But we were demolished. Unexpected loss devastates the body, mind, and spirit of persons and entire populations. Domination often occurs when self-assurance is soaring and discipline and details are disregarded. When God's people crossed the River Jordan into Promised Land, when they camped in Canaan and shouted to rubble Jericho's walls, glory days, glory days, were theirs to enjoy. The thrill of victory enveloped Israel. But listen carefully. Holy discipline became lax. Holy discipline became lax. And the descent to defeat is described in the book of Joshua. Now, I want to take you to several passages in Joshua. They're brief passages, but it sets up the story that I want to preach from this morning. In chapter 1, we're looking at verses 6 to 9. Be strong and courageous, for you will lead my people to possess all the land I swore to give their ancestors. Be strong and very courageous. Obey all the laws Moses gave you. Do not turn away from them, and you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of the law continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you may be sure to obey all that is written in it. Only then will you succeed. Joshua 6, verses 15 to 19. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the city, that's Jericho, as they had done before. But this time, they went around the city seven times. Remember singing that song when you were kids in Sunday school about Joshua and the battle of Jericho and, and walking around the city seven times? The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blasts on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and everything in it must be completely destroyed. Hear that again. The city and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and the others in her house will be spared, for they protected our spies. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction 
or you yourselves will be completely destroyed and you will bring trouble on all Israel. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. Joshua 7.1 But Israel was unfaithful concerning the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen some of the things, so the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Achan was the son of Carmi, of the family of Zimri, of the clan of Zerah, and of the tribe of Judah. That's only the first verse of chapter 7, and I'm going to take you deeper into chapter 7 this morning, but I want to tell you, chapter 7 of Joshua is one of the saddest chapters that you will read in all of the Bible. It's one of the saddest chapters in all of the Bible. You see, the people of Israel, having been taken by God on dry land through the Jordan River, camped at Gilgal, went on and conquered Jericho, brought their walls to rubble, were now slated to attack and take the city of Ai, A-I it's spelled. According to chapter 8 of Joshua, Ai was, was really not a city, it was just a town of 12,000 people. Spies had gone to check it out, and they, they said to Joshua, this is a sure thing, no sweat. We can handle this. We can do this. We got it. We're assured of victory. So they picked 3,000 warriors and sent them against I. Israel attacked, but its infantry was overwhelmed. Israel's infantry was overwhelmed by little I. Israel had to retreat and it left behind 36 dead. Joshua couldn't believe it. Joshua was distraught, so much so that, <clears throat> typical for the time, he and the, and the other high leaders dusted themselves with dirt and ripped their clothes. They were so distraught, they couldn't get it. We had this. What went wrong? Victory seemed so certain. Now note Joshua chapter 7 Verse 9, Joshua was concerned not only about himself, but he said, we're going we're gonna to look like fools, God, but your name is going to look bad also. Here's what he said, Joshua uh, 7, 9. For when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, they will surround us and wipe us off the face of the earth. And then what will happen to the honor of your great name? God, why did you let this happen? 
Isn't that, isn't that what we do? God, why did you cause this? God, I thought you were going to take care of me, God. How, how did this happen? How did this occur? How did this come upon me, God? And Joshua looks at, or God looks at Joshua dusting himself with dirt, ripping his clothes, putting up to heaven this lament. And this is what he said to Joshua. You find it in the 13th verse of chapter 7. Two powerful words begin. Get up. Get up. Command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Now listen carefully. Hidden among you, O Israel, are things set apart for the Lord. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things. Don't forget that verse. Remember it. You ought to be underlining it in your Bible. It's as true today as it was in Joshua's day. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove the things that you are keeping from the Lord. And so Joshua begins an interrogation of the people. You remember, as I began this series of sermons on Joshua, I told you that the population of Israel was about 2 million, made up of 12 tribes. So Josh, Joshua pre- parades before him the tribes of Israel. Family by family, household by household, was interrogated to determine what went wrong, who was at fault, what brought this destruction on the nation. Achan's stress and anxiety must have been in the stratosphere. Because when he got before Joshua, he immediately admitted to being the person who violated God's command. Now again, back in chapter 7, verses 20 and 21, show us Achan's confession. He's standing before Joshua. Achan replied, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. For I saw a beautiful robe imported from Babylon, 200 silver coins and a bar of gold weighing more than a pound. I wanted them so much that I took them. They are hidden in the ground beneath my tent and the silver buried deeper than the rest. Did you hear what he said? I wanted, I saw, I took, I hid. 
I wanted, I saw, I saw, and I wanted what I saw. I coveted that. And so I took, and then I hid what I took. I got to tell you, I don't know about you, but that sounds like my pattern of sin. I wanted, so I took, and then I hid. Dwight L. Moody said of this scripture, Achan saw the wealth, and the soldier in him withered up, and he became a thief. Now you remember what we began with this morning, don't you? All the words of the law shall be before you. You shall pay attention to them. You shall read them every day. It's, it's the eighth verse. Let's just remind ourselves of that because it's a hinge verse in this study this morning. Study this book of the law continually. Meditate on it day and night so you may be sure to obey all that is written in it. Only then will you succeed. Only then will you succeed. Achan violated two of the commandments of God. Let's go back to Exodus 20 and remind ourselves of what the commandments were that, that this fellow had violated. In Exodus 20, he first violated commandment two. Here's what that sounds like. Do not make idols of any kind, whether in the shape of birds or animals or fish. You must never worship or bow down to them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not share your affection. I am a jealous God who will not share your affection with any other God, little g. I do not leave unpunished the sins of those who hate me, but I punish the children for the sins of their parents to the third and fourth generations. That's commandment two. He also violated commandment 10. Do not covet your neighbor's house. Do not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkeys, or anything else your neighbor owns. God told Israel to take I. You can do it. Victory is secure. But there had been disregard for holiness in the camp of Israel. And so Israel failed miserably in that attack. And there was a punishment, and it was swift, and it was severe, because we are early in the world's history now. This is before Jesus. This is before the time of grace. This is before God's mercy. This is a time where God's judgment was going to rain down. And upon Achan and his family, because they were co-conspirators, with him. They knew he had what he had hid in the earth 
beneath the tent. Achan and his family received the death penalty. Church, listen carefully. Because it's as true today as it was when Israel lost to Ai. God's judgment is not to be taken lightly. I told you, chapter 7 of Joshua is one of the saddest chapters in all of the Bible. It is a sad story indeed because like so many of my sins and yours, it didn't need to happen. It did not need to happen. But God could not allow ignoring spiritual integrity to run rampant through his people. He could not ignore the lack of spiritual integrity in his people. Be very sure, God has never winked at sin. God has never winked at sin and never will. Because sin corrupts and it ruins a people. Where there is separation from God, as we read, sanctification and purification are needed. God holds us accountable for our influence, for what our words and deeds cause others to do for what our example causes others to become involved in. God holds us accountable for it all. One man was guilty in this story. It was Achan. But when you read the text, God looks beyond just Achan, and he said, Israel has sinned. All of my people have broken my covenant. Now recall that earlier we correlated an increase of problems in Israel's camp when disciplines of holiness decreased. Let me say that to you again because it's going to be true in your home and in your personal life. There is a correlation between the increase of problems in our homes, in our camps, when disciplines of holiness are decreased. So it brings us to the question that God has held before me all week long as I've studied this text in preparation for its presentation to you this morning. Am I or are you trying to hide something from God? Am I or you trying to hide something from God? Or are you one of those Christians? I don't know if you are or not, but are you one of those Christians who operate on, well, all things in moderation? No. No, absolutely not. 
When God says abstinence, when God says abstain, when God says you don't touch, you don't take, you don't touch and you don't take. Otherwise, you are reducing his command to your desire and you are definitely ignoring the Bible, the word of God. I don't know what's going on in your private lives. But another question that comes to me as as I plumb the depths of this text is, is this question. Are any of you keeping secret someone else's destructive lifestyle? Have you observed something? Have you heard something? Have you been invited to be part of of something that will destroy a life and you are keeping that inside you and not making it known? Over my long ministry, I have lost count of the number of times after a a crisis has occurred or or a, a great tragedy has unfolded before a congregation. I have had adult members of that church come to me and say, Pastor, I knew about this. I knew she was doing that. I knew he was into that, but, but I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to get her or him in trouble. Really. First of all, they're already in trouble. Secondly, They're going to be met with grace and understanding at the church because all of us are redeemed sinners. But to know that someone is into a destructive lifestyle, to know that that someone is is doing what is contrary to Scripture and not, not go to those who can be helpful and bring them out and away from that which may destroy them is wrong. I suspect that in the Israelite camp, as holiness was being dumbed down, people, they were aware of that. But things were good. The economy was good. Things were good. I was a pushover. And it wasn't. And God said, I will show you who is still in charge here. I will show you whose land this really is. I will show you whose life really beats in your heart. Have you ever been in a, maybe a professional situation at at your work or, or, or on a team and, and, and a member of, of your team at work or your sports team or whatever just doesn't seem with it. They're just not focused. And you or or someone else has said something like this, where are you? Where are you? Are you with us? You're not focused. Your mind's not on the work. 
your minds, not on the team. When you make those observations, for goodness sake, don't speak them and move on. A great price is always paid by ignoring those signals. And often the price is a spiritual defeat for you because you have not been obedient to God's word. I suspect that I'm not the only one in this sanctuary this morning who could describe a period in his life as Achan described his before Joshua. I saw. I wanted. I took. And I hid. What's hidden? in your tent. What's hidden, you think, in the depths of your heart or your mind that only you know about? Do you know that this truth of God that I'm lifting up to you this morning is as powerful on June 10, 2018 as it ever was? Do you know that that which you are hiding that that which you are holding back can be damaging this church. Do you know that? That's the point of a powerful, powerful story like the defeat of Israel at Ai. We think it's just about me. We think it's just about something that, that I'm do- I've done and and. And all things in moderation, absolutely not. Because even though I don't know about what you're doing, you know, and he knows. Even though I don't know about what you're doing, you know. And I'm telling you, it affects you, and what affects you affects our church. That's the truth of the word of God from Joshua 7. Frederick B. Meyer, an English evangelist, said many years ago about the text that I have before you, uh, these words. I want to just say to you this, though, before I quote him, you will hear the word son. It is S-U-N, like the sun in the heavens. Myers wrote, the defeats that we incur in our land of promise are not necessary. They are due to some failure in ourselves. And they cause grief to the lover of our souls. There is no reason for defeat in the Christian life. 
always and everywhere, we are meant to be more than conquerors. The course of the Christian warrior should be as the sun when he goeth forth in his strength and in regular gradients drives his chariot from the eastern wave up the steep of heaven. Child of God, never lay blame for thy failure on God. Seek for it within. I am so grateful as I conclude this sermon this morning that I've preached it as a post-resurrection Christian. Christ has been given so that we can correct and move on and not repeat the sin of I saw, I wanted, I took, I hid. Failure is not final for us. There's grace. And if you are doing that, seeing and wanting and taking and bless your heart hiding, I want to lead you in prayer to ask God's forgiveness for his healing and wholeness to wash over you and that from this very moment on you are surrendered to him and you are going away from that which is hurting you and hurting the church. Let's pray. O God, our Father, grant to each dear soul who has heard the word proclaimed today several things. The lavishness of your grace to forgive them and to lead them in forgiving themselves for seeing, wanting, taking, and hiding. And then give them the wisdom of your word received and put into their lives. Let them walk in that word and let them bring that word out of their hearts against anything which would lead them astray. Father, I pray that you forgive us for how we have failed you and that you make this the beginning of a new time in our lives when truly we have a confidence that is high and great, a confidence which gives us conquering power. In the great name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Please stand to sing.